0: Hello and welcome to The Lancet Podcast. I'm Richard Lane on Friday, November the 16th. In a moment, new concerns about an anti-obesity drug licensed in many European countries. Before that, some highlights of the issue of The Lancet dated November 17th to the 23rd. Some of you may remember two years ago when The Lancet published a meta-analysis which concluded that homeopathic treatments were no more effective than placebo. I remember it well as we were inundated with letters and email comments to our website, particularly from homeopathic practitioners in India. Homeopathy is widely discussed in a special report and related comment in this week's issue. The special report highlights how homeopathy is booming in India, where over a 100 million people rely on it for health improvements, partly a result of it being cheaper than allopathic treatment. The report also looks at the anti-homeopathic momentum that has been gathering for the past two years in the United Kingdom. The latest subject to irk anti-homeopathic campaigners is an upcoming symposium on December 1st, which will be discussing how homeopathy may have a role in the treatment of HIV-AIDS. In the special report, Michael Baum, Professor Emeritus at the University College of London, believes that homeopaths are getting overconfident. He says, People say that homeopathy can do no harm, but when it is being promoted for HIV, there is a serious problem. Also joining the homeopathy debate this week is Ben Goldacre, journalist at The Guardian newspaper in London. He says in a comment how homeopathy raises serious ethical issues. When a healthcare practitioner of any description prescribes a pill which they know is no more effective than placebo without disclosing that fact to their patients, then they disregard both informed consent and their patient's autonomy. In research, we publish in print the field study released online last week. This highlights how the use of phenofibrate to reduce blood lipid concentrations lessens the need for laser treatment for people with diabetic retinopathy. And this week's seminar discusses stillbirth, saying that the key to reducing the number of stillbirths is likely to be the development of novel tests, that is screening tests, based on a better understanding of normal and abnormal behaviour of the placenta. But back to our main feature this week, concerning the efficacy and safety of the anti-obesity drug remonibent. Earlier, I spoke to one of the authors of this meta-analysis, Professor Arne Astrup, based at the University of Copenhagen, Denmark. And I began by asking him to describe a brief history and characteristics of the drug remonibent.
1: Ramonaband is actually a very interesting mechanism of action because it's working on the cannabinoid type 1 receptors. The endogenous system we have in the body is something called endocannabinoids, and they have a somewhat similar effect as cannabis, or as we know from marijuana or from hash, that are stimulating these receptors that gives us a kind of pleasure and what we call a rewarding effect. This endogenous system is activated every time we... We eat, we smoke. Every time we get some pleasure, this class of drugs inhibits the effect of this rewarding system. So patients who tend to overeat in delicious and palatable foods, this rewarding effect will be blocked or inhibited, so that they will tend to eat less and don't overeat unhealthy stuff. And we see actually the same for for smokers. The same class of an, antagonist as Rimonaband can be used for smoking cessation because people when they smoke they don't get the same pleasure the same rewarding effect as they used to but the purpose with monobat was clearly to reduce food intake so it could be used as a weight loss agent it's been on the european market for approximately one and a half year it's mainly used to reduce overweight and comorbidities associated with overweight and
0: obesity and in terms of the current study the current meta-analysis what exactly were your aims here
1: So far, we were aware of four major phase three studies on Ramonabad for weight loss that was published in in some of the best journals in the world. When we reviewed these journals, it was quite obvious that the weight loss produced on on top of the diet was more or less the same, but we could also see that each of the papers clearly suggested that there was no serious adverse events. Those who appeared were generally mild and well-tolerated. That was essentially the conclusion from each of the papers. But when you start to look at the papers, there might be some tendencies to more adverse events, but, you know, it might not reach statistical significance between the band and the placebo group in each of the paper. So that gave us the idea to try to combine the, the the papers that was available in the public domain and conduct such a meta-analysis that essentially integrate all the studies that are available and, and gives much a much more robust measure of the adverse events. What we did was to... Search the literature to look for all double-blind, placebo-controlled studies using band for weight loss in obese patients. It turned out that there was actually only four published studies that lived up to, to these criteria, and that was the so-called four RIO studies, and RIO means band in obesity. These four studies were included for this meta-analysis.
0: In terms of the key results here, and you've obviously talked about the methodology and and your need, if you like, to increase the power in terms of what you might be able to find out by by merging ultimately just the four RIO studies, what were you able to find out from the meta-analysis with some certainty that, that you could not establish from the individual trials?
1: First of all, a much higher statistical power and and therefore a higher degree of certainty. We could show that Ramona Band is producing a weight loss of 4.7 kilo that is better than placebo. And and that is actually uh, emphasizing that this weight loss compound is somewhat better than the others that are on the market. But it was mainly the adverse events that showed something that was not really known from the studies looked at individually because it turned out that there were not only more adverse events which of course is is expected for all drugs but the, there was much more uh, serious adverse events. Quite substantial proportion of, of, of those serious adverse events were to be found among the psychiatric adverse events. Just to put some figures on that if we took all the serious adverse events. We could see that it was there was a forty three percent higher risk of developing a serious adverse events among those who were treated by ramonaband as compared to placebo. And in absolute figures, uh, that was five point nine percent in the band and only four point two in the placebo group. It was really difficult from the the publications to to address these adverse events in detail, but what we could do was to look at the proportion of, of patients who had to discontinue the treatment due to adverse psychiatric events. And of course, if a patient have to withdraw from or discontinue the treatment due to a serious adverse events, it's quite a serious matter, so we felt that was a quite good endpoint to illustrate the problem. There was a two-and-a-half times greater risk of discontinuation due to depressive mood disorders among those who received Ramonaband as compared to placebo. And in absolute figures, that was 3% in the Ramonaband and only one4 in the placebo group. Another way to express that is to look at the number needed to harm. It was 49 patients. So it's telling us that uh, when we treat 49 patients, with ramonaband, one of them will develop a depression that is severe enough to require discontinuation of, of the drug treatment. We could also see that there was a threefold increased risk of experiencing anxiety among those who were treated with Ramanaban so that they had to discontinue and the absolute figures was 1% versus 0.3%.
0: In terms of the clinical implications of this meta-analysis, but what does it mean for Ramanaban's future is this just a kind of warning shot for prescribing physicians that they should explain carefully to patients about this increased risk or does it potentially threaten the the presence of remonavent on the market
1: there's no doubt about that this is a a serious matter because one should remember that the, the the treatment must never be more harmful than the disease for weight loss compounds it's clearly that there's a lot of obese patients treated that are not having all the the serious complications to obesity. But actually, after we had submitted this meta-analysis to The Lancet and when it was under consideration for for publication, the FDA also came out with an analysis because the company behind Remonoband have uh, applied for a a license to sell it in the United States. The FDA analysis actually came out with results that are consistent with our uh, analysis The FDA, they had access to much more data because they could get access to all the unpublished studies and also ongoing studies where they could get all the safety results. They more or less found the same, but they also found that there was an increased risk of suicidal ideation among those who were treated with Ramonaban 20 milligram and they also found that there was a tendency to a couple of suicide committed suicides that could be attributed to, to Ramona Band. So they declined to to license Ramona Band in the United States based on the current safety data. So I think that underpins that our conclusions are valid. It's still on the market in many European countries. And the, I think the message for the clinicians is mainly that they need to be really aware of that there is an increased risk of anxiety and depression. I think it's important also to, to um, notice that the patients who were included in the studies we based our meta-analysis on, the Rio studies, that it was an exclusion criteria to have an existing or previous depression or depressed mood. It means that at least it's a selected population. One should expect that if you go into normal clinical practice where maybe the procedure for excluding patients who had depressive symptoms is not as as effective as it will be in a clinical trial. We think that the risk for the patients will be higher in clinical practice and uh, the only way to to deal with that is probably to raise their awareness among clinicians who prescribe remonoband to say that if your patients, you should be careful to interview them about any previous symptoms of depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation. If anything turns up In the first part of the treatment, in the first weeks of the treatment, please report back to us immediately or discontinue the medication. Another reason why we felt it was important to come up with these results is that there quite a few other pharmaceutical companies who have similar compounds belonging to this cannabinoid antagonist, this CB1 antagonist, as we call them. They have the same class in development. Four or five of the major pharmaceutical companies in the world are just about to move these compounds from phase two into phase three, where it's essentially the final clinical assessments of the compounds. And we think it's quite important for them also to be aware of this problem with depression and anxiety so they will have a chance to do a much better job in monitoring all these psychiatric symptoms with some of the questionnaires and and other tools that exist to pick up the symptoms so we will have a much better idea about the severity of the problem.
0: Professor Astrup thank you very much indeed for talking to The Lancet.
1: You're certainly welcome.
0: Also, look out for the linked comment to this study. Philip Mitchell and Margaret Morris from the University of New South Wales in Australia state that this meta-analysis raises major questions about the safety of remonabant in obese people who are already at an increased risk of depression, especially since the FDA review suggests that the risk of suicide is increased with this agent. Well, that concludes this week's podcast for the issue of The Lancet dated November the 17th to the 23rd. Thanks for listening. See you next week.